You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Performance Group Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby, and on today's episode of the Performance Group Podcast, I'm joined by Dan Maddox. Um, Dan is the, what I say, CEO, CEO and president of Citizen State Bank, a local bank here to um, central Indiana. And we do, um, I would say, a, a fair amount of business and have a great local partner in Citizen State Bank. So, Dan, thank you for being here. Sean, thanks for having me. Thanks for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to um, come in, sit down, and kind of walk through people what Citizens uh, State Bank does, uh, how to kind of got to where you are today, and what your plans are in the future. Sounds great. Cool. So, Dan, all right, I'm ready when you are. How did um, let's let's back in. What's your relation to Citizens State Bank? How'd you get to where you are today? Sure. So. Um, you know, this is a family-owned business, so it's my family's business, uh, fourth-generation, family-run and operated. So my start was uh, right out of the gate. So I grew up around the company, uh, working, you know, seeing my grandfather and my dad, uh, and just being around at the dinner table. And from a very early age, I had a, a pretty strong passion that I wanted to do it as well. So I went off to college, went out of state, uh, University of Vermont, uh, to experience really? a different... A different environment, and uh, I knew that longer term, I really wanted to be based here in Indiana. Uh, my mom was from the East Coast, and uh, just felt like it'd be a good experience to get out and explore a new area for four years. So had a wonderful experience at college, uh, loved living in a different area of the country, and met some amazing people from some different walks of life and different backgrounds, which was fantastic. But then after that, I was ready to come home and, and get started. So I came back and uh, started working at our holding company and started uh, digging in on the management training program. So for the first three years of my career, I worked about every stop along the way. I started as a teller. There you uh, go. Worked through that, which was great, uh, and went through personal banking training, worked through the uh, deposit operations, loan operations area, started to just slowly take on a little more responsibility, uh, ended up eventually uh, becoming the chief operating officer of the, the combined company and worked in that role for four years and then became president and CEO in 2015. And then uh, last year, um, um, I became chairman and CEO. Oh, wow. So. What's the difference between uh, chairman and CEO and president and CEO? I'd say president and CEO, uh, when, when the way we were structured at the time, I had a lot more day-to-day -day operational responsibilities. Um, and as we were continuing to grow and we were continuing to do some family succession planning, my dad was currently serving as a chairman and was getting ready to retire and step down, um, I, I was going to transition into that role and realized that there were a lot more family planning and strategic longer-term issues that I need to focus some attention on. So as a CEO, I'm still fully responsible for the ultimate you know, performance of the company and where the direction we're going, but uh, we hired a president to kind of run more of the day-to-day -day operational things 
um, to let me focus on some of the bigger picture items. Absolutely. So um, for 99.9% of us, uh, we can't even imagine owning a bank. So um, we don't really know what that means. So what, how, how does someone even start that? Four generations ago, how did the bank get started? How does a, a man own a bank? So uh, the way it started for our family, and I think this is probably a pretty consistent story, is um, my great-great-grandfather uh, with a group of local people decided to start a small consumer finance company, which was essentially uh, making small loans to different people, you know, just in the community. Uh, and he built that business over the next 20 or 30 years. That was in 1925 when he started that. Um, went through the Depression, uh, survived and continued to thrive and grow that. And then um, as banking laws and regulations were rapidly changing in the 1950s, he began to divest of that business and started to identify at the time um, some small local Indiana bank charters in Blackford County. Um, and so he started uh, with some other local business people, uh, started to buy those. At the time, Sean, uh, the business banking, the business world of banking was so different than it is today. Every county uh, had, you know, least a couple banks and you weren't allowed to branch outside of that county so every you can imagine the landscape of community banking at the time we have 20 or thirty thousand community banks around the country wow um, now we have less than five thousand just from perspective so uh, he started doing that and then eventually just continued to scale and grow that my grandfather came back from world war ii uh, graduated law school came back to the family business as a second generation with his brother uh, and they continued to grow the company um, the bank we have today, Citizen State Bank, is a result of a couple of those different banks that over the years they had taken uh, control of and consolidated in. Citizen State Bank, the surviving charter today, was started in 1873 wow. by another family. Uh, we think it's the third oldest bank in the state of continuing operation, and that family owned it for three generations before my grandfather and some other folks went in to buy that. And then... Uh, Fast forward, my dad came back and continued to grow the company. Uh, my dad was a lawyer in Florida and came back to Indiana to help my grandfather. Um, and then I came back in the picture, and here we go. Wow. One heck of a story. And, it, and it's, um, it's a business model that most don't even think about, right? Um, because you just go to the bank. You don't think about the process of owning one or what it takes to go through the, I mean, especially if there's a huge consolidation of that many people going from 25,000 banks to 5,000 banks, right? So um, how many locations does Citizen State Bank have now? Citizen State Bank has 12 locations throughout central Indiana. Gotcha. And then so there's one right here in downtown Pendleton um, at the old low bills for anybody who um, you know remembers old low bills, which was an old grocery store. Was low, is that who you bought it from, low bills? No, that, that, that had ceased to exist by uh, the time we Citizens had, had yeah, yeah, yeah. stepped in. <laughs> So um, kind of talk to me about the mission of State Bank. If I keep saying Citizen State Bank, I'm just, we're going to just call it Citizens moving forward because it's too many words. Okay. Um, talk to me about the mission and kind of like especially your journey going from Teller to all the way to where you are today. Yeah, so I think, you know, my journey through, uh, it was wonderful and it was well thought out by my dad and some of the, uh, the senior leaders of the company at the time as we were, you know, really staunchly independent and wanted to remain that way, thinking about, what the next generation was going to do and, and how to best prepare them for, for that responsibility. It was really great to start as a teller and work your way through because you really got a sense of the needs of our clients and, and what the, the nature of the business looked like. Um, you know, when I went through that process, I think it really occurred to me 
um, what our true mission was, and we later went on to adopt this as our mission statement. But you know, we're we look at it as three buckets. You know, our clients, our communities, and our coworkers. And our ultimate goal is just to help them succeed. And so that's our mission. You know, to help our clients, coworkers, and communities succeed. And that can look different for everybody. But in general, we feel like as long as those three um, core pin core, core pinnacles of our company are being met, everything else is going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody told me once, um, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. So if you pour into those around you, then, I mean, by absolutely. Those, yeah, you're going with them. We would agree with that. Um, how many employees do you guys have? We have uh, around 145 employees today. Wow. That is a bunch. So um, I obviously have like a pretty good relationship with the um, lending side, uh, just from all the PPP loans and EIDL and all the things that we dealt with through COVID. Um, we see Citizens as a really strong, small business focused um, bank. Is that something that's always been there or is that something you think um, is been in later iterations? Sure. So that's a good question, Sean. Um, so initially, as I described kind of the formation of our company dating back to my great grandfather, uh, was historically very consumer banking focused. So, you know, car loans, home loans, personal loans for consumers. And um, over the years, that's continued to be a vein that we really like and lean into. But I would say over the last 10 or 15 years since I've been involved, we've recognized, um, you know, with all the consolidation happening, there are so many small to medium-sized businesses that weren't necessarily getting um, the treatment they deserve from some of the larger national banks. And there was just a void being created. Um, so we started to really refocus the company um, to, can, to lean more into that small to medium-sized business space. We feel like it's an area where we can really excel. And so that's become um, about a 50-50 you know, split between you know, what we're, where our focus is today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those who don't do a lot of maybe as a small business, I feel like lending is such a scary thing as a small business, right? Because um, we're all taught that debt is bad and debt doesn't get you anywhere, right? So talk to people about why maybe looking into banking with a um, somebody who has more more than just a bank account, right? We have more accessibility. We have more you know professionals in our office or people that can steer you towards the right direction. Why does that make more sense than just having another you know bank account and drawing cash every day? Why does you know a line of credit or some of these other things make sense? You know, every business is different, and I think you know that's the what we really pride ourselves on is our ability to be really nimble and take a hyper focused view with each business client and kind of highly customize a solution that makes sense. Some businesses are are cash heavy and don't necessarily require a line of credit, but for many businesses, you know, a line of credit's great for kind of balancing out. The, the timing differences between uh, bills to be paid and cash coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always waiting on a check, checks in the mail, yeah. right? So, you know, those kind of situations that, you know, our team are really great at kind of helping customize with a client what their needs are, um, have, what that cash flow scenario looks like and how we can match up and create a solution that really works well, both on the deposit side and on the lending side. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think people are always worried about rates and they're worried about... Um, having another expense, where are you finding some of your, um, I won't call them loan processors, I'll call them like advisors who can speak at the same level as a lot of these business owners? Um, are well, you pulling them out of like similar fields? Are you finding people that yeah, have we, been in the banking industry for a long time? Some, you know, a little bit of both. I mean, I think sometimes we, we, we definitely find folks that, um, 
you know, want to serve small to medium-sized business clients or, or consumers for that matter um, from competitors that want just a different feel, you know, and love the idea of a locally owned community bank that, you know, can really take a highly customized approach and a long-term view and um, really focus on partnership. Uh, we also find that we love to promote people from internally. And so we, we really like to focus on mentorship and career mapping with our team members. So we have tellers that, you know, come in and, you know, want to go on down a different path. So we have plenty of examples of those folks that have come into, you know, like a relationship manager role, which for us is someone that works with business banking. Uh, we have other folks that have taken the mortgage lending path, uh, our banking center manager path. So, yeah, both internally and externally. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that internal promotion, even just at the Pendleton brands. That's great. We love to hear that. Yeah, and they're all awesome people for the most part. I love Ian to death. Ian Sutherland, I'll give you a quick shout out. Um, <laughs> Ian's good. Yeah, Ian texts me, so that's the only reason I say that. Ian's funny. Um, but yeah, great, wonderful people that even as young people you're watching grow and you don't see a lot. So um, within your um, core values, you had community, you had two other things. But the one that I really want to focus on is community because it's the only one I can remember. Um, but you see Citizen State Bank uh, recognized as a sponsor of pretty much everything in town. It doesn't seem like you guys say no to sponsorships. Is that true? Oh, I mean, we probably don't Very say yes to everything, but yeah. we, we do view our role as, you know, kind of a, a centerpiece of any community we serve. And uh, we feel like we can do that in a variety of ways, but certainly being responsive and being active in the community is certainly one of the biggest ways. I would say that you're definitely active in this community. And we want to do it not just with, you know, a checkbook, but with personal activity. So, you know, we have a really good volunteer program where we encourage all of our team members and give them, you know, um, ample, like, 20 hours a year to, like, please get out and volunteer, you know, on oh, really? us. Um, and so we were always encouraging our team members to do that. A lot of us serve on a variety of nonprofit boards, uh, local community boards, and it's never mandated by us, but it's encouraged by us, and, it's, and, and we want people to be, get involved with things that they're passionate about. So, you know, I know, Sean, for example, you know, I served on Outfitters here in the community until my term expired, uh, and I met your dad there. And yep. it was a wonderful experience that we got really passionate about and, and still actively sponsored today. Uh, today I'm more, I'm in a RDC, a Redevelopment Commission board here locally. I really love that opportunity to help serve. So, uh, and, you know, you magnify that across 145 employees and, you know, 12 different locations you feel like you're really making an impact and a difference. Yeah. I think um, people are, they follow um, leadership when leadership, you know, leads by example a lot of the time. And I think that that's definitely something that we see in the community. Um, it, from a mentorship standpoint, you don't see a lot of employers doing, you know, 20 hours of community service, go and do that. So what, what kind of brought you to that? Is that something you've developed over time or... Yeah, you know, I think it just kind of harkened back to, you know, ways that we can support our mission, you know. So, like I mentioned, our mission of helping our clients, coworkers, and communities succeed, you know, just always finding ways to support that. Mm -hmm. And so we felt, um, you know, we, we saw a lot of our team members already volunteering and being involved in so many things in our local community. It's like we really wanted to just support that. So initially it was just like, hey, let's, let's help our team members do what they're already doing. But then it was also like, hey, let's find another way to help, you know, nudge those who maybe aren't yet and encourage them to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you, um, 
you're you're getting the involvement from people that otherwise wouldn't, right? Which they're because they're just seeing their peers and all the other things happen. Yeah. Which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, so if we're looking at Citizen State Bank six years ago versus Citizen State Bank today, what would you say is the the proudest part to you? What 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 brings the best um, memories to you? Wow. Um, you know, I think probably the thing that you know really I'm proud of a lot of things. I'm proud of the team on a daily basis, really. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing I'm most proud about is how well we responded during COVID. So, you know, COVID obviously created a lot of challenges for all businesses and people in general. Um, but we really proved that we could be really nimble and really support our communities through a really challenging time in those early days of COVID. Uh, and then with the rollout of some of the government stimulus programs, um, being a conduit for that was really, um, you know, really an encouraging moment for us. And then being able to help facilitate PPP for our business clients uh, was incredible. You know, and our team, just you know, the hours put in to do that was just an amazing output. Um, and it was really just from that, let's support our mission. And this is a core, core way to do that. Sean, I think we ended up doing about, you know, 1,200 PPP loans. Wow. Uh, for $85 million across, wow. across our whole footprint. And so, you know, I think... Uh, it was one of those just really feel-good moments, and I think just a great testament to the community banking story, not just us, but many other community banks around this country to help facilitate that and really stabilize the core the core economic foundation of our country, which is small business. Yeah, helped a lot of people survive a moment it that did. a lot didn't. Yeah, and, I, and to see where we've landed today, you know, post-PPP and kind of coming out of the pandemic, it's just wonderful to see, and I, I think that that program and, and the successful administration of PPP really helped us do that. Absolutely. Are you seeing more new businesses hit the fold coming out of COVID? Uh, yeah. So I think the one of the things that's come out of COVID, you know, just uh, have been a lot of new business formation where people have decided, hey, I'm going to go out on my own and, and start something, and so that's great. We love to see that. We love to support that. We love we love new small businesses. We. We're pat. We're a small business ourselves. Yeah. I mean, so we're really passionate about that whole space. So anything we can do to support that is great. Yeah. What are some of the programs that you guys have for small business, especially those that are just almost taking the first step? They just got their EIN yesterday, yeah. and they're walking into the bank and they forgot their articles yeah. of organization. So I'll be right back. It's in my car. We we really try to take on the role as a trusted advisor for them, and so we you know we'll push back on business plans that we maybe feel are need some work um, and want to help people succeed in that way too. And it's not always just by saying yes, you know, so it's, you know, taking a pretty consultative approach. We, um, we have certainly have access to SBA lending programs to help uh, on some of those newer businesses that need some additional support. Uh, and we have a lot of internal programs too, that we're just, you know, willing to be creative and think about ways to help a business succeed in those early days. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit um, about SBA lending and for some people that are get maybe new to business and they're trying to figure out what kind of loan fits me best. Yeah, so um, we'll get too into details because the SBA programs can be pretty nuanced and yeah. uh, we might lose a few listeners here, Sean. <laughs> so, but wow. uh, SBA in general has uh, two main programs, a 7A program uh, and a 504 program. The 504 program tends to be more for real estate-related transactions. So oftentimes that's not necessarily a startup business but for maybe a business that has been around for a little bit but needs um, to own their real estate or would like to own their real estate, the 
504 program is a great program for that, which we facilitate many and, and really enjoy doing that. Uh, the 7A program tends to be a little more geared towards, you know, equipment, lines of credit, um, some real estate, but uh, more of those kind of needs that maybe a startup business would need. Mm-hmm. And then for those that um, maybe you guys can't help, that's when people get sent over to Bankable down the road? Bankable's a great partner. Yeah, and, and certainly sometimes uh, just not quite bank ready. Yeah. Uh, and Bankable is, is a wonderful partner. We have a lot of examples of uh, where maybe that the business has started there and then migrated to, you know, like someone like us. Yeah. And so I had Adam hoax them on. Yeah. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's very interesting, that whole story of how it came to be. And their whole job is in the name. Our job is to make you bankable. We, yeah. we don't want you forever. We want you for three years, and we want to get you to somebody who wants you long term. Yeah. Um, so those partnerships are beautiful. And as somebody who advises on lots of small businesses, everybody's just trying to find somebody or direction, right? right. So it's somebody to take the time, and they work obviously heavily with the SBA. So um, I think that's a beautiful thing. So how does somebody move from an SBA loan to maybe where they're bankable truly with a, a consumer loan through citizens? Yeah, so I think there's I think there's sometimes a misconception that SBA is is like a bad bad thing. Um, we have some really great established businesses that still use SBA programs because it makes sense. Yeah, and terms are good. And terms are good, right? So, um, and I think that in some ways, I think the PPP program kind of helped remove that maybe stigma that sometimes SBA <coughs> lending had. Um, it's not just for businesses that can't get traditional bank financing. It's, um, it's what we, I guess the way we look at SBA is more like um, it's just another arrow in the quiver. You know, yeah. It's another option. It's it's another option that we can consider and consult with our clients on. I think most people are scared of anything government, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think that is, uh, that can be a, a hurdle for people. It's like, oh, this is going to be painful or this is going to be um, just harder to do. Um, I think that, you know, it, it all... I think the SBA programs oftentimes depend on your partner, you know, and, and how well and how smooth that process goes. Yeah. We we like to think that we're pretty good at uh, navigating those programs. Yeah, it's it, when there's a middleman and a middleman, it never gets easy, right? It adds a level of complexity. Yeah. yeah. So um, you guys do have a pretty interesting lending practice um, for your small business side for you because it goes through a true committee. That's correct. Yeah. So it's, it's real life people uh, making decisions. And uh, that's new in the banking world. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's automation along the way in certain, certain aspects, but yeah, certainly. And I think for us, we really think it can be a differentiator because our team members and our directors loan committee and then our board of directors, you know, it's all kind of tiered. So loans at a certain level start to go up stream to different levels of approval. Um, There really starts to become a comfort level and, uh, a, a client gets a lot of touch points and really a lot of comfort, I guess, along the way where a lot of people start to hear the story and understand the story and get comfort with that story. Um, it really helps us to navigate the, the full economic cycle with the business. I mean, we know that things ebb and flow, right? And, and so as the economy changes, some businesses get a little more challenged, some get businesses approved when the economy changes. So I think for us, that committee structure um, – it also allows us to really consider the story and consider the people and understand what's going on, and it's not just the numbers. And I think sometimes when you're just looking at the numbers, sometimes that story can get lost, and there are a lot of great examples of that where 
the story makes a lot of sense, but maybe the number just is a little off today. It's not always going to be off, though. I think what it does, too, is it gives good feedback. Um, when somebody just gets a no, they just walk back with their tail between their legs. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that nice thing about having the committee is people tell you what they think is wrong. Yeah, no, and we, we always try to do that, too. Um, you know, it's like, it's not no forever. It's no, not now. Here's yeah. why. Here's a path to what you're trying to do, and, or here's what we think might make more sense. Um, you know, it's a lot of, like I say, I, we probably use this word maybe too much, but we really do view our job as being consultants in some ways and being consultative with our clients, and it's not a simple yes or no. Um, it's like, this is how. Exactly. And I think that allows you a seat at the table that, you know, a lot of bankers, well, I won't say a lot of bankers, a lot of the big banks, um, they turn into a checking account, right? They don't turn into a seat at the table with the lawyer, the accountant, the insurance agent, and everybody else from an advisory standpoint for right. a lot of these businesses. They just turn to a, a method of the madness. Yep. Um, so when you're in committee, and this will be a vague question, but I'll kind of keep it broad. Um when you're in committee, what kind of things are you looking for from people coming through um, asking for, you know, business loans and things like that? Okay. So, so you got a business plan. You've got um, hard financials. You've got projections, those types of things. What, what do you want to see in order to get something across the table? And let's say it's 100000 or less. So, I mean, I think for us, you know, understanding the story is important. And that oftentimes that those are our team members who are working with a client and are bringing that back to us. So us clearly understanding the story on, on, you know, where the business is coming from, where it's going. And then if it's, we're talking about projections, we want to, we want to have a sense that those are realistic, yeah. you know, and um, we want to have some ability. We want to see that there's been some critical thought put into that from the business owner's perspective and not being overly rosy, you know, and also thinking about the downside. Yeah. Um, what is the best way for somebody to come up with that type of projection? Is there a software? Is there, you know, should they just sit down with their banker and say, what should this be? Because a lot of people are just so green. Yeah, so this, that's, a, that's a great question, and um, we'll give a plug here for some. I mean, Bankable does a good job of that. Um, there's also the Indiana Small Business Development Corporation, which uh, is broken into different regions throughout the state, but every, every county has uh, some coverage there. And that group is excellent at working with people, even in the earlier phases of that, that, hey, I've just got an idea. And like, this is what I'm thinking. They'll help you develop a business plan. They'll help really? you do pro. Um, yeah, they're really good. Um, Say the name one more time. One for them, two for me to write down. Indiana Small Business Development Corporation. And then, so, like, say that I'm in Madison County, where would, I mean, is, do you just type it into Google? Yeah, it, their website would uh, delineate, you know, which county and which, which uh, yeah. section you're in and who, and who the local people are. Um, they have local field representatives, and, and literally their job is to help people um, develop business plans and be ready. And they'll do, you know, market analysis, help you with market analysis. You need to get them into the high schools here. And yeah. like speak to the kids and show them how to build a business plan and yeah they do a really good job so we we've had some real great success stories there where people have um, maybe come to us first yeah uh, but maybe just don't don't have the full picture ready to go and they've been able to work with them and and really get a good plan together and we've been able to help them get launched that's beautiful yeah. and that's what a bank's for right right um well so you said you did. 1,200 uh, PPP loans? Some, something like that, yeah. 
How many total um, business loans do you think were processed last year? I'm sure you know that number off the top of your head, right? For us or yeah. for everyone? For you, for citizens. Not just PPP, you're saying. Yeah, just general. So, like, percentage of loans that were completed last year, how many were PPP versus, like, just true traditional loans? Uh, 2020 would have been the bigger number of PPP. Yeah. Um, but it was it was well in excess of probably 70% of the total that year, just given how the... The, the market. Yeah, well, yeah. and it was, quote-unquote, free money, right? So everybody was trying to get, and then obviously... Everyone knew the funds were going to run out eventually because only so many dollars were allocated. Um, so you guys facilitated a lot of loans. So twelve hundred are those. So how many of those people do you think um, hit one and two? Uh, we there was a pretty significant fall off for the second round, which yeah. thankfully that was great because um, you know businesses had you know weathered the storm and had rebounded enough that one they didn't qualify for the second round. Which was great. Um, I would say the volume was probably twenty five percent of the first round. So it was a significant, you know, one in four businesses. Let's yeah. say maybe still qualified, yeah, and, th- and that was because they were at a fifty percent decline still. So they had to be in rough shape in order to even qualify. Yeah, and certain industries obviously were hit harder, you know, and just were slower to bounce back. The retail and hospitality space, yeah, uh, for one, you know, just because of restrictions and being in you know close environments with people mm-hmm. uh, those some of those businesses were just slower to bounce back yeah and they seem to be back now are you seeing a lot of uh, e-commerce stuff come through people coming in with new ideas for oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and stuff yeah like that? technology and you know across the board is a huge focus both for us internally and to try to roll out good digital enabled products to help our business clients and our consumer clients do business the way they want to do business today mm-hmm. uh, and I think we're doing a great job on leaning into that. Uh, but I, yeah, I think a lot of our clients then are also thinking about the best way to come, you know, um, communicate and serve their community, their clients, which tend to be, you know, more and more digital transactions all the time. Yeah. The world is changing. Yeah. It's not exactly the same way it was four generations ago, is it? No, but I, I will say this though. I mean, I think, uh, a lot's been said about technology and digital innovation and, and I think rightly so. But at the end of the day, what we like to think about is um, the long-term, you know, survivors and those that thrive in our business will be those that really do a great job of marrying the personal experience to the digital experience. And so us being able to be hyper-focused on our communities and, and still deliver that highly personalized touch, but also delivering a really rich digital experience that um, helps support that personalized touch that's what our focus is. It's never to be fully digital. We, we view that most clients don't want that anyway. They want the convenience of some digital offerings, and we'll use them, but they still want to come see us. In well, especially person. in the Midwest, right? Yeah, right. And yeah, sir, I think there's some geography difference to that too, but I think even in general, we may just see people less often in, in our locations, for instance, but they're still coming into locations, maybe with just less frequency and using some digital channels. But it's really an omni-channel approach where uh, we view clients now just connecting with us in more ways. Absolutely. So for those people who say um, community banking, <clears throat> it's too hard because my debit card won't work because there's no specific ATM for it. What do you have to say to people who think that way? I, I guess it's all like what somebody need there. What does someone need cash for, right? I mean, it's, it's a good point. Just different, different for everyone, I suppose. Um, 
it's never been easier to work with a community bank. We have lots of examples where, for instance, let's say we open up a, a checking account for someone's kids and they go off to college and end up settling across the country. We have so many examples where those people are still clients of ours mm-hmm. today and we're you know, full banking client. Um, so it's never been easier to bank with us no matter where you live. Absolutely. That is the truth. The world is, um, most people don't have cash at all. Yeah. Some, so there's definitely some people do and some people need it. And we, we do a pretty good job of supporting that. Are you guys getting into the crypto space? Like, we're, we're looking at it. So I, uh, what's your thoughts on cryptocurrency in general? I mean, yeah, Dan's I, thoughts, not the bank's I, thoughts. Yeah. Dan's thoughts. I would say it's an interesting new technology. It's not even new, I guess, anymore. But it's something we're watching and recognize that it could be something that um, becomes more mainstream and that the banking industry is well-positioned to support. Um, Today, we're not ready to do that. And I would say, in general, it seems like uh, there are a lot of different offerings out there. And it just I I wonder what's going to be. I imagine there'll be a few long-term winners and and. There's probably a lot we're talking about today that maybe won't be around long term. Have you seen in your time something as disruptive to the banking industry as cryptocurrency? This is just a random question. This has really nothing to do with the podcast. I'm not certain that crypto has been disruptive to the banking space yet. So, um, and and maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm not certain I see a path where it's going to be, but. I don't think it has been today. I mean, I think you look at the banking space today, it's never been stronger. Um, it's never been more supportive of clients and communities in a, in a lot of ways. Um, a crypto just feels like another avenue of that. Yeah. Um, but I think there's just going to be a whole lot to learn about that. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of regulatory changes, I, I believe, that will probably come to the crypto space. I think there will be um, discussions about a centralized, um, you know, some sort of crypto that comes from the tr- uh, potentially from the U.S. government. Yeah, a lot of different countries are talking about a, cr- a crypto, uh, you know, state-sponsored crypto. Um, so we'll just see where that goes. I mean, I'm, it's too hard to say right now. But I would say it's something. It's definitely keenly interesting and something we're following. We've got a a working group at the bank that um, is following crypto and meeting regularly to talk about changes and also not just crypto but blockchain technology in general. I think it's probably pretty interesting, and there's definitely some pretty interesting case studies to think about how blockchain technology, with the underlying foundation of crypto, could be used for things like smart contracts. And uh, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's just a highly sophisticated general ledger. So there's some interesting record keeping ideas coming out of that space. Is that something that you would even int- integrate into what you do? Possibly, possibly. I mean, it's it's probably too early to say what that would look like. But it's definitely something we're considering always and keeping our eyes open. Yeah, what a what a world, right? It's definitely not boring banking, right? No, it's uh, we say oftentimes it's not it's not you know my grandfather's bank anymore. It's uh, it's a long ways from that, and you know I think that's one thing we're really proud of is that you know to continue to think about okay, we want to continue to run this company for future generations of our family. Um, to do that, we have to be willing to adapt to the times and always be relevant. And so to remain relevant, you have to keep an eye on what's happening and be able to change. But the core of it, um, our, you know, our, our true value proposition, our true mission, that will never change. No, it can't. And I think that will always be. That's that the differentiator, right? Yeah. That's how you can move into the future and still do well is because you care about the things that other people won't. 
Yep. Um, so that being said, future generations is also, you know, always the, the plan. Um, are you looking to open new branches? What's kind of the, the local Absolutely. We, we want to continue to identify markets where we think we can grow and, um, and where we think there's a niche that's not being met. So, yeah, we're looking, actively looking at additional markets today. Uh, we want to open more locations. You know, I think for us in general, you, in the last year, we've seen tons of branch closures. And uh, I think that's going to continue to be a trend in our industry. There'll be less banking centers in general as um, digital technologies happen. But for us, we think that that creates opportunity as well. And while maybe you go into a new market, you used to need five locations to be competitive. Maybe today you only need one or two. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, that we feel like our team, you need a hub. You need a physical location. That's important. Um, but also to make sure our team members, you know, the right team members with the right attitude, with the right values, enabled with good digitally enabled processes and products, we can serve a much larger area. Absolutely. Especially if people are leaving the market space anyways, because yeah. they assume they've already won. Yeah. Um, so talk about, and then we'll fi- finalize with this, because I think this is probably something that people are talking about every single day, especially small businesses, and it doesn't really matter if you're a big business. Um, what are you guys doing to attract and keep the people you've got? Because like you said, you've got amazing team members. You're trying to open new locations and find new team members. Um, what are kind of the things or the pillars that you're going with for those? You know, I think, you know, value-based recruiting is a big one for us. So, I mean, thinking about the differentiated experience that we can offer and that client experience and the cultural experience we can offer, it's it's no one thing. It's like a million little things. It's, it's as little, you know, it's like the volunteer program. I mean, that's going to really be a hot button for some people, for, for some others, not as much. I think ultimately it comes with just what that cultural experience feels like for us. And oftentimes that kind of starts with me and just the kind of leader I want to be and the kind of culture I want to set. You know, we're one of very transparency. We love transparency. Uh, we love being, uh, you know, real with our people, uh, accessible and down to earth. So that's really, you know, for us, that's who we are. For certain people, that's going to be great. For others, that's not going to be as important. So it's a real challenge, though. I mean, um, the other thing, too, I think we've been way more adapted through, speaking of being adaptable through the pandemic, I mean, we have uh, a much different working environment than we used to have. I mean, we were never work from home. That just didn't exist in our world. Um, But now we have a different, more of a hybrid approach and an ability to uh, be a little more nimble in that regard. And so I think that, that, in, that is appealing to some people. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's... Yeah. We want to be family-friendly, flexible, and, you know, we're, we all have families too, and we understand it's challenging at times and schedules are, are tough. So we just try to be flexible and real and treat people like we'd want to be treated, and everything else tends to work out pretty well. Yeah, it changes the idea of bank hours, right? Yeah. That 9 to 5 that everybody's living, right? Yeah, and our clients don't live 9 to 5, <laughs> so we really don't either anymore. Absolutely. Well, so if people wanted to reach out to Citizen State Bank, whether that's for um, an opportunity to set up an account, look into lending, or even maybe somebody is looking for a new yeah. gig right now, um, how would they get a hold of the bank or you or sure. people well, in general? Sure. I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn, Dan Maddox, uh, Citizen State Bank. Also, our website is mycsbin.com. Perfect. Yeah, and, and all the social media channels, you, our handles are out there. So Absolutely. And they're always sponsoring events locally. 
and pretty much wherever their locations are. So just go around and you'll find somebody who works for Cincinnati State Bank. That's, I know that for a fact. That's probably pretty good to ask and somebody will tell you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Hey, Sean. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.